would wager to say that as impressive as that list was, it only scratches the surface for what God has been for each one of you. I don't want to stay here too long, but add to it what he's been for you. I can't hardly remember everything that rhymed in the song, but when I think about what he's done for me, he's been a way maker. Hey, he's opened doors that none others could open. He's closed doors that I tried to get through. He's opened up my eyes to show me things that I could not see. He's encouraged me, Pete, when I needed encouragement. He's been the lifter of my head. Hey, he's been a bridge over troubled water. I know it's cliche, but it's still true. He's been a doctor. He's been a lawyer. He's been my way maker. He's been my peace. He's been my joy. He's been my peace be stiller. Yeah, mighty God. Amen. Thank you, choir, for blessing us with that selection and just helping to focus our minds. I say this all the time, and I'm going to say it again, but I like it when I am not the subject of the gospel song that I'm supposed to be using for worship. How am I going to worship God singing about me? What I'm going to take, whose head I'm going to stomp on, where I'm going to go, what I'm claiming. I'll, no! But it's about Him. The Holy. Holy. Holy One. I like it. I got enough. Look, I think about myself all the time. I don't need no songs helping me. That's my problem. I, I can't see nothing but me. Then I come in and I'm singing about me too. I just I can't. No wonder. <laughs> no wonder. My Lord. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Solid word, friends and family. Uh, as always, like I always say, it is an honor, a privilege to be uh, standing in front of you this morning and, and sharing the word of God with you. So happy to have our pastor back safely. And in the house, and so uh, grateful to God that he kept them and that he is here. And also grateful that we have a pastor who will let others preach even though he's here. I know that for some folk, that's like, well, that makes sense. But if you've been preaching and teaching any length of time, that's not the, the norm in a lot of places. If the pastor is there, the pastor is looking to preach. And, and so we are thankful and grateful for the man of God that... Uh, the Lord has seen fit to place over us here. And then, uh, look, I, I, I do have to say this. My wife has been doing a whole lot of traveling this summer. And I have been just a sorry little old dog at my house, <laughs> just moping around. And then my girls were gone, too. And so for a while, I was just me and my dog. Me and she's looking at me like, what are we going to do? And I said, like, I don't know what we're going to do. But now my wife is back. My daughters are back. We, we are. We, we can form Voltron now. I don't know if... <laughs> That's a little old reference. Some folks get that, but, but I think we might have all the parts and pieces now to go ahead and do something. And then on top of that, the Lord has blessed me. My parents are here as well, and they came in yesterday, and I am grateful to God to have them here. And, and, and I was praying this morning. I said, you know what? Thank you, Lord, that, that, uh, my, that you have blessed me with my parents into this season of my life. And this isn't about me, but that then as a parent, they can see me walking in the way yeah, yeah. that they laid out for me, yeah. right? As a parent, you, you see what I'm saying, right? We, as a parent, you want to see the day that your God becomes your children's God, yeah. right? Yeah. And, and, uh, and I'm grateful to the example that they laid for me and that the Lord has blessed them to see this day. And I'm sure there's some days that they did not think... Uh, <laughs> That's another sermon. <laughs> but look, without uh, any further ado, let's um, uh, go ahead and get ready for uh, this morning's word. And, and actually, just bow your heads. We're going to open up with prayer, and then we'll go right on into it. Um, <clears throat> Dear Heavenly Father, we are so grateful and thankful again uh, for this opportunity, not just to, to have uh, woken up this morning, not just to see that we've got 
the activities of our limbs and our minds are functioning and just those things that we take for granted. So we're grateful and thankful for that. But then on top of that, God, we are even more grateful and thankful that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, and that by him, through him, we have relationship with you. It boggles the mind to think that, as the scripture says, while we were yet sinners, not just that Christ died for us, while we were yet sinners, not just that you forgave us those sins, but while we were yet sinners, you actually put into motion us becoming co-heirs with Jesus Christ. Hmm. Not just able to enter into the kingdom, but actually into the throne room of the king. And so, God, now we stand before you. We ask you, God, to do what you already delight in doing, and that is to make your word powerful, make it potent, convict us where we need convicting, encourage us where we need encouragement, <clears throat> admonish us where we need to be admonished, strengthen us where we need to be strengthened, God, all in an effort that we would leave here changed, that you would receive the glory, and that others may ask what is the source of our hope. God, I pray that you would... Just continue to do what you've always done. You've shown yourself so faithful. And like I say, God, I don't need your help in preaching this, but I need you to preach this, God. Sit me down. Let my words be only what you would have me to say. And let me not leave out anything that you have placed on my heart. And then ultimately, God, do with your word what only you can do, and that is make sure it does not return to you void and that it accomplishes all that you sent it forth to accomplish. Not by our standards, not by what we think uh, a good day of your preach word means and looks like, but by what you can do in the unseen parts, <coughs> by the power of your Holy Spirit. All these things we ask in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. amen. Uh, so uh, we have uh, today... Uh, as, as I mentioned last Sunday, the part two, the second part of, of a two-part series uh, that um, Pastor uh, has allowed me to preach and to teach on, and, and this is really what's in your heart, part two. And today we're going to be really talking about guarding your heart. Uh, and, and just as a uh, kind of a, a verse, kind of an overarching verse, even though we're not going to just stay in this one verse, we're just kind of continuing through Hebrews 3. We were in 12 last week. Uh, and now we're in 13 today uh, where uh, it says, but exhort one another every day as long as it is called today that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Uh, and sometimes when we kind of walk through the Bible, especially if we kind of break it up in, in, in a series or Sunday to Sunday, we lose a little bit of the continuation of thought, right? So I don't want you to kind of see this as like a whole separate Another verse, right? I mean, when, when the writer of Hebrews penned this letter to the church and to the believers, um, that writer did not say, okay, verse 12, and then put a sentence down, verse 13, then put a sentence down. That has been added for our benefit, right? Uh, and so think of it like you would be writing a letter to a friend as a continuation of thought. And so that continuation of thought stems from what we talked about last Sunday, uh, where the warning is for us to take care, right? Uh, to make sure that we aren't led away by our evil and unbelieving hearts. And then it continues in this, but, right, exhort one another every day as long as it is called today that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. And so just by way of a little bit of rehearsing and reminder, we'll talk a little bit about what happened last Sunday. So recall, um, verse 12 presented us with a caution, a condition, and a consequence, right? Right? And last Sunday, we focused mainly on the condition. The caution was the take care, right? And we talked about that that verb was in the imperative, which meant that it was not a suggestion, that it was a command, that the writer intended for the hearer to do something different, to do something about the rest of what they were about to share with them. The condition we just talked about, right? It was an evil and unbelieving heart, and the consequence was that it would lead you away from God. And so last week, we focused heavily on the condition, and based on several biblical references, we walked through it, we saw that our hearts are basically not good, but they are evil, right? 
And we pointed out that the notion of good and evil uh, can be a sticking point for some of us because uh, we approach it from the world's perspective of good and evil. In other words, the world defines good and evil kind of like uh, we said in kind of like movie terms, kind of Hollywood terms, right? Mass shootings, bombings of public places, um, uh, kidnapping, physical, sexual abuse. These kinds of things are evil, right, according to the world, uh, and are done by evil people. And that makes sense, right? And as long as you aren't doing these kinds of things or doing things at the level of these types of things, uh, then you're basically a good person, right? Because we're not all out running and shooting and bombing and, and kidnapping, so we're all kind of basically good. But we were careful last Sunday not to use the world's definition of evil because, like the scripture says, that way is broad, Right? Broad is the gate that leads to destruction, but narrow, right? And so there's a narrower definition that the Bible gives us for what evil is. And the Bible says that what it boils down to is a very, very simple principle in that doing what I want to do instead of what God says to do is evil, right? Our hearts, by default, want to satisfy our flesh. They want to do what's pleasing. They want to do what satisfies, what satiates, what, um, what, what, what satisfies our sinful desires, basically, our selfish desires. And by definition, if we're following our hearts, then we are being led away from God. So all that talk, and this is what we discussed last week about just follow your heart, Kenny. Just go with what you feel deep inside. Just, just, just quiet yourself and listen to what your heart tells you and then act on that. It's going to lead you away from God because your heart wants to satisfy your sinful desires. Your heart wants to satisfy your flesh. Your heart wants to do, your heart wants the gospel songs that sing about you. <laughs> And we discovered that there is a consistent theme that's first revealed in Genesis and then throughout all of scriptures. We established that the heart of the problem for man is that man has a problem of the heart. And his heart has to ultimately be redeemed and then renewed. Lastly, 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 we had some homework to do. Right? Psalm 139, 23 and 24, right? And we were looking at that verse, praying that verse, asking God to show us what is in our hearts. <laughs> With the understanding that he already knows. <laughs> we're not asking God, God, search my heart and see if there's anything in there that you don't like. But really, we're asking God, search my heart and show me what you already have identified you don't like. I need to be on the same page as you, God. This is not a, a, a discovery for you and me, God. This is, this is like when, you know, my parents are here, when, when they, when after you had supposedly cleaned your room, and then they bring you back and say, do you see anything? Does this room look clean to you? Does, it, does this look like what, you know, what, it, so it's, they already know. It, we're not in there thinking, well, hmm, I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't have, you know, no. They know what they're trying to get you to see. And in the same way, we're asking God to do the same thing with our hearts. But we're asking him to reveal those things to us. And we were to ask him to do that, not uh, so that we uh, would be made ashamed, not just so that we would be riddled with guilt, but so that we could repent, so that we could ask for forgiveness. And then we could begin to guard our hearts against what he reveals to us so that we would not be led away from him. <laughs> now, <clears throat> just a little bit, I want to look at verse 13 as we move into today. And we're going to spend a little time here and then kind of branch out like we did last Sunday into some other scriptures, into some other verses and some themes. Um, but the verse says again, but exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Now, if you did the homework, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands. Uh, I'm not going, you know, kind of eyeball everybody to see if you did the homework. But if you did the homework and you did it genuinely and earnestly ask God to show you your heart, then I have no doubt. I have no doubt at all that he did just that because it's what he wants to do anyway. 
This is a prayer that he is readily, readily willing and, and, and ready to answer in the affirmative. And if he revealed those things to you, then I wager to say that you were broken by what you saw. You may have been saddened by what he showed you. Even ashamed by what he shined his holy light upon. But guess what? You're not alone. We're in this thing together. I, I just, just by way of just some anecdotes, uh, you know, some people have, have been compelled. I told you, I said, no, you don't have to tell me. Don't tell me what the Lord showed you. But some people have shared, and that's, and that's good. That's fine. I appreciate it. But, but I had a, a conversation just this, just this morning. Someone said that, that the Lord showed it to me, and then they said, I was afraid to ask for any more. I didn't want, I didn't want to see any more, right? And I get that, right? I'm like, whoo, Lord, okay, stop right there, right? Let me just deal with what I've got to deal with, with just what was shown to me in this moment. But again, we're not alone. This is why I believe that verse 13 starts off with um, exhort one another. Exhort sounds like a churchy word, right? Exhortations. When you say it, it sounds like you've been somewhere. You put your hands like this and say exhortations. <laughs> <laughs> but all that means is encourage one another, comfort one another, console one another. The original Greek actually carries with it the idea of calling along one side. Come along one side with each other. Tell Pete, come walk with me, right? Let me encourage, let me comfort you, let me console you, let me admonish you, right? As we move through this thing together, as the Lord is showing us just what's in our hearts, let me encourage you, as you encourage me, to keep pushing at this thing. Why is that? Why is that? Well, first, right, we need to comfort one another, encourage one another, console one another, admonish one another to make sure that we aren't led away from God. That puts us right back in the text uh, securely in verse 12, right? And we don't want to be led away by that evil and unbelieving heart. So we're encouraging one another to continue to do the things that need to be done to make sure that you don't get led away by an unbelieving, evil heart. But also, but also, but also, we don't want to be, and this is what we find out in verse 13, deceived by our own sins. Right? We don't want to be hardened by the deceitfulness of our sins where we become accustomed to them because we haven't been asking God to reveal them to us. And now instead of it being a foreign invader, it becomes it's taking up residence now. Right. And as the scripture says, I become hardened by it. In other words, I become stubborn. Right. I, I'm numb to it. I'm not moved by it anymore. I'm not broken by it because it's now just part of the family. And so everything now has to flow around this sin. And verse 13 says, look, you need to make sure that you are encouraging one another, that you are admonishing one another, you are, you are comforting one another, you are exhorting one another to make sure that you aren't led away by your unbelieving evil heart and that sin doesn't deceive you into thinking that it's okay. <laughs> so this morning, we are going to focus on the taking care. We talked about of the guarding of our hearts, right? With a mind towards what it is that the Lord showed us this week, but also with a mind towards now how do we come along one another exhorting and making sure that we all kind of move in the same direction. Amen? Amen. Uh, I do want to talk a little bit about a simple relationship that I think helps to kind of set the context for why this is important. So if I were to ask you a question and I asked you, hey, why is your career where it is? Why, why is your relationship status in the shape that it is? Why are your finances looking like they are? Why is your health in the condition that it is? Some general questions. No matter what shape those are in, good or bad, you would more than likely begin to tell me about certain decisions that you made <clears throat> and, and, and that led to where you are now. Sometimes, if you were in a bad circumstance, you might even begin, Kenny, to tell me that, well, yeah, I made some decisions, but you might argue that others' decisions led you to where you are. That in some situations, you maybe didn't have any choice, 
But even with other people making decisions, you're still responding to those decisions with some type of decision. You're making a choice along the way there, right? right? <clears throat> and you might would argue, as you look back, especially if those things aren't exactly where you wanted them to be, you might would make the argument that, look, if I only had made better decisions, Elder Martin, then I would have better outcomes, right? I, I should have turned left instead of turning right. I should have chosen door number one instead of door number two. I, I should have gone up. I should have, instead of going down, wh whatever the case may be, I, <laughs> Pastor Carson, I should have gone to McDonald's instead of Chipotle. <laughs> For those of you who don't know, Pastor had a bout of food poisoning, and, and uh, he probably is thinking he should have made a, a different selection. <laughs> <laughs> but it isn't quite that simple, right? Of course, look, hindsight is always 2020, right? <clears throat> and, and looking back is always more clear, and we kind of have this notion that, look, I, I just happened to choose the wrong thing. I happened to choose the wrong person, the wrong job, the wrong house, the wrong car, etc. fill in the blank, right? Uh, and if, if I only had more information, Lamont, and if we only had more information, then we would have made a better decision. But I would assert that it isn't quite that straightforward. Not quite that straightforward. And see, our decisions aren't just kind of these self-sustained actions, right? That are just kind of floating, not connected to anything. But our decisions are driven by what we believe to be true. In other words, even if you went back in that moment, you likely would not have made a different decision because your decision is not always based on the information that you see, but it's based on what you feel, what you believe to be true. Right? <clears throat> so if we talk a little bit about our beliefs, we're really talking about our operating systems. Android. I, iOS, uh, all these different things. What is it that makes us run, right? What we believe about singleness, what we believe about marriage, what we believe about intimacy, what we believe about money, what we believe about parenting, and so on and so forth is directly connected to what's in our hearts. Hmm. Ask yourself, what are your deeply held beliefs about your singleness, about your marriage, about your children, about your finances, about your time, about God, about Jesus, about the Bible. And, and, and when you see what your beliefs are about that, right, then you'll understand better some of the decisions that you're making. It follows that if my current condition, my outcomes, my results in life aren't aligned with what Scripture says, then somewhere... Along the way, I made the wrong decisions, and my decisions are wrong, not because I didn't have all of the information, but because my beliefs are faulty. <laughs> and my beliefs are faulty because of what's in my heart. <laughs> in other words, if I examine my life, and if I identify, right, all the areas in my life, in my singleness, in my marriage, in my parenting, in my childhood, in my adolescence, in my finances, in my sexual life, in my thought life, in my health, in my job, in my study life, in my prayer life, where I am living in a way that is counter to what God says, then in those areas, I am being led away from God by a heart that is evil and unbelieving. Because of the decisions that I'm making, Based on what I believe about those things. Based about what I believe about singleness and marriage and that whole long list, right? <clears throat> and at the heart of that is my heart <laughs> that does not believe, this is going to hit you now, what the Bible says about those things. I know we don't. Here, I've got an example that the ministry is going to help me with. Here's an example to really drive this point at home. Everybody knows this. It's the Surgeon General's warning. And it says, smoking causes lung cancer, 
heart disease, emphysema, and may complicate pregnancy. Now, let me just go ahead and diffuse some things. This is not about, I'm not talking, if you smoke, I'm not telling you, to st- I'm, that's not the point. The point is, is that there's a warning on the box that says that doing this thing, not may, but it causes, right? And no one, no one is, is, is ignorant of the dangers of smoking, right? <clears throat> But at the, at the core of, of, of people continuing to smoke, and you can insert whatever the, the, the habit is that you, that, that you may want to think about, but here's the principle. At the core of it is that we don't believe one of two things. We either don't believe the Surgeon General, oh, that, that dude or that lady don't know what she's talking about, or I don't believe it's going to happen to me. So for some reason, I'm smart enough, I'm good looking enough, I'm tall enough, I'm short, I'm fast enough, fill in the blank, whatever it is that you think that the principle, the, the rule, the guideline, and the consequences that have been rightly established don't apply to you. Mm-hmm. So if we, if we bring it back, right, when we, when we make choices and decisions that don't align with God's word, we're either ignorant of what his word says. We don't know that he has something, a prohibition against that. We either don't believe what his word says. <laughs> let, let me just hark you, harken all the way back to Genesis. Did the Lord really say that? <laughs> or... We don't believe it will happen to us. God, I know you said that uh, death and destruction goes down that path, but you ain't seen one like me. I'm, I'm nice with it, Lord. I can sidestep. I can move. You ought to see me. I can, I can zig. I can zag. I can navigate this thing. And, uh, and I know you made everything, Lord. I know you spoke and nothing and everything that is jumped into existence, but I think I got this one. I know this one a little bit better than you. You who are from everlasting to everlasting and me who's of 36 years of age. That's not my age. I just use that age as, a, as, a, as, a, as an example. Think I know better than you. Hmm. So at the core of the decisions that we make, when we see that there is misalignment between what the word says our lives should be in certain areas... Then, and, and our decisions are leading us in a way that's away from God, then it's at the core of that. And I don't know, we don't like to say this. Because we, 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 we like to believe, we, do we like to say, I believe in God. No, 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 I believe in God. I believe in Jesus. I, I believe the, the gospel story. <laughs> James would tell us, well, so do the demons. Right? So it must be more than just believing, knowing, understanding. There has to be something that generates some different choices, different decisions. And it has to do with what we have in our hearts and what we ultimately believe. So now let's transition a little bit into guarding our hearts. What does that look like? What does that look like? For this, we want to go to Romans 12, 2, and 3. This is a very familiar verse. And hopefully most of these verses that we've been looking at, looking at aren't unfamiliar to you, but maybe we're seeing them in some different lights now and connecting them with some, uh, <clears throat> some spiritual threads that we maybe haven't connected them before. Romans 12, 2 and 3 says, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, or do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Paul here is admonishing us. He's giving us a warning to make sure we don't allow ourselves to be pressed into the form 
right, into the mold, into the image of this world. Instead, we should be pressed into another form, Mm -hmm. not by making different or better decisions, but by the renewing of our minds. In other words, Paul says, look, the, 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 the ingredients that you're trying to make that cake with in and of themselves are uh, contaminated. You need new ingredients. You can't just all of a sudden go and do and be better. But your hardwiring, your operating system is bad, right? right? So he's telling you don't start at the end because it's not going to work because you're still using the same defiled ingredients to kind of make this defiled cake. Instead, you need some new ingredients. Start with the ingredients. He says you need to renew your mind, right? And by the renewing of our mind, what he's talking about really is kind of renovation. Who's ever gone through a renovation? You ever renovated anything? Either had somebody renovating something for you, seen it? It is messy. It's, It's a hot mess. So messy that 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 some point you start thinking, well, maybe this wasn't the right. I didn't want you to tear, I, need, I thought we needed that. We, right? And it typically takes longer than you initially think. I'm sorry, Haskins, but it's going to take longer to get that work done than you thought it was going to take. Right? Because invariably, as you begin peeling stuff back, guess what? You find some stuff. Oh, guess what we got to do? I, we thought this wall was good to go, but no, we're we going to have to reinforce it. You want to move through here? That's a load-bearing wall. We got to put that, distribute that somewhere else. And so, oh, there's a water leak. We got to do. So there's always some stuff underneath. Ha <laughs> ha. This is what that prayer was about. God, I, when I look at my heart, the drywall is up. It's painted. There's pictures hanging on it, and it looks beautiful. God says, you don't understand. There's mold all behind here. There's some rats running through. You ain't even seen. It's terrible back here cobwebs and, 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 and just, just craziness. Parts of it not even insulated, so just blow anything can come on through, right? But it's not until we begin to tear some stuff down. We begin to renovate. We begin to make a mess. We begin to move through that, and we come out. Look, if, if, if you tell me, <laughs> Elder Morgan, oh, Charles, we renovating the whole house, and it's just it's going to be awesome, and I come over there, and the only thing different is the paint on the walls. Then I say, Kenny, you didn't renovate anything. Yeah, you just covered up. You, you got you a new color and painted on it. But when we renew, when we renovate, there's a drastic change. Drastic. We didn't just spruce it up. I didn't just, yeah, let me just move that right there. Renovation done. No. Renovation, you know what else is, is neat about renovation? Typically, you are not trying to hang on to anything that's currently there. You ever seen those shows? They're they not delicately taking cabinets out. Sledgehammer. Boom. Because this is going. We're not trying to redeem none of this. We're not trying to use this. It, it, it won't fit. It, it won't look right, Kenny. When I do my new kitchen, <laughs> that olive green dishwasher... It ain't going to fit. So what Paul is telling us is, is that, look, this renewing of the mind is not just brushing up on the edges. It's not just putting a nice color or veneer on the surface. But you've got to get down and dirty. And you've got to begin to break loose some of this stuff that the world has bolted down in our hearts and in our minds and in our thinking. I've got to root that up. And some of that is going to be uncomfortable because... I've made some life decisions based on what I thought was true. And I don't want to let it go, Pete. But I have to understand that those decisions that were made were based on a faulty belief system. And either I didn't know what was right, I didn't believe what was right, or I didn't think it would happen to me, but now I've got to align myself with the truth of God's word. Paul goes on to say that as we begin to believe differently than God's will and his commands, then it begins to make perfect sense. 
You got to get this. You got to get this. You got to get this. See, initially, what God tells us to do and not to do seems restrictive. I don't understand. I thought he saved it. Who the Lord has freed is free indeed, Kenny. I'm walking in my liberty. I'm walking in my freedom. I'm supposed to be uh, claiming dominion over anything and everything. And then I'm looking at this thing, and all of a sudden I see thou shalt not, and you better not, and you can't, and don't do this. And, and, and on top of that, I'm supposed to love my enemies, and I'm supposed to turn the other cheek. What is this? I'm giving voice to just, just stuff that, that's in there, right? And initially, when we look at what God says, thou shalt, thou shalt not, it seems restrictive because it's being filtered through our faulty belief system. <laughs> our hearts haven't been renewed, right? And when our, our crazy heart filters begin to filter God's word through, then all kinds of stuff is getting stuck on the other side, because I'm trying to make what God says make sense with what I believe from the world. And guess what? It ain't. It's not going to reconcile. Right? And no matter how much I try, it's not going to work. Because my filtration system, my heart, my belief system, my operating system is faulty. <laughs> but... When we give him our hearts, when we open up ourselves and say, God, search me, shine a light on anything in me that's unpleasing to you, and show me the way everlasting, then guess what? When we begin to change our belief system, and we begin to view the world differently, and his commands begin to resonate with us, right? And instead of being restrictive, we now begin to see his commands as resulting in true freedom, true joy, true contentment, true joy and happiness, right? And in short, we, we find out that what seemed to be restrictive is actually bringing me life more abundantly. Oh, I know, I know it doesn't seem like it because all you're thinking about is he tells me I can't do that. Mm. <laughs> Why don't let me go? I say, hmm. Let me just let me stay here for just a minute. <clears throat> God says, "Look, you should not be joining together sexually with anyone outside of the confines of marriage." Restrictive. Well, I don't understand, God. You created me with these feelings and these parts, and it feels good. Why is it that I can't move in this direction? I'm an adult. She's an adult. We can take care of ourselves. They've got all kinds of things that can mitigate these earthly physical circumstances. How come I can't move in that direction? <laughs> it might be, just might be, that what God realizes is that, yeah, Man has come up with some things that can keep the physical maybe from happening. I say maybe because even on the box it says it ain't 100% effective. But God says, look, <laughs> I'm giving you this command not so that you can keep some diseases and some unwanted pregnancies off of you only. But because I designed that thing to be a spiritual thing. And when you come together in this act, let me just, uh, in this act that actually is an image of how Christ and the church comes together, then there's something else going on than just some juices flowing and some emotions going up and down. And I know, I know this is maybe a little deep, but we need to talk about this. And God says, and I know what you don't know. You go around attaching yourself to all these different people and then try to figure out when you present yourself to the husband or to the wife that you want and you've chosen why you're incomplete and broken and you can't give all of yourself to them. Well, that's because there's traces of you all over in the past. Now, Here's the beauty. Here's the beauty. For all of us that have not heeded that warning, there's grace and covering. He can restore and he can bless and he can help you move through. 
But the point of it is that God knows more than we do. And he says, if you want that moment when you say, I do, and then you consummate that thing to be the penultimate, if you want that mate to have what no one else can claim to have but them, follow my commands. Right? And we see that he actually wants us to have life more abundantly. When I'm not shackled by the guilt of the past, of the things that I did with other people, the stuff, the un, all that stuff. I want you to come, he says, into this union unfettered, able to enjoy one another fully, transparently. Uh-huh. So, we understand that there is some tearing down that needs to happen of how we think and what we believe, what we say is right and what we say is wrong. I know, I know, I know you've been to some good schools. I know, I know, I know that you are independently taken care of financially, and so you believe that anything that comes your way, you can handle. I've got the resources to handle. So I can walk how I want to walk. I can do what I want to do. Let me tell you something. That's a dangerous place to be. Because nothing is in your hand that you place there. Right? What I mean is is that God controls all of that. And if we are walking in a sense of that I am my own master of my faith, captain of my soul. God will show you who's the master of your faith. There was a king in the Old Testament who thought he hung the moon. Nebuchadnezzar thought he was the baddest thing walking around. (laughs) That dude found himself eating grass on a hill like a cow. Seven years. But hey, when the Lord brought him back to his mind, that dude stood up and said, The Lord... (laughs) Yeah, read Daniel. You'll see what I'm talking about. My my warning is, is grass don't taste good. Don't be in a situation where the Lord has to humble you, right? Just to get you to see that he's God. Hmm. So let's get into this. You're looking at your, 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 your handout, and you're thinking, when is he going to get to these three words? Here we are. <laughs> We're right here. Mm-hmm. So if we want to guard our hearts, it first begins with awareness. We have to be aware of what we're guarding our hearts from. How many times, you, for my sports fans, you've seen somebody dial up the wrong defense against a, a, a certain offense? They didn't know what they were guarding against, Right? And it's the same way for us. We have to know what it is that we're guarding our hearts from. That's what I hope that you've been doing since the last sermon, since last Sunday, this past week, this past Sunday. But in general, right, every time, listen now, every time we sit underneath the sound teaching of God's word, sound teaching now, not just anybody, but sound teaching, it's like a mirror being held up to our faces. And it's showing us our true reflection, not how we wish we look, not how we think we look, not even how we're trying to look, but how we truly look in light of God's word. We have to, three things we've got to do here in awareness. One, we have to acknowledge the areas that we've kept from him and ask for forgiveness. First John 1 and 9, familiar verse, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. How many of you know that confessing our sins to the Lord is a continuous thing? You just don't do it the day you were saved and then you just kind of, all right, I'm good. But this is a continual process, continually broken by the sin that's in our lives and continually coming to him Asking for forgiveness, not from a standpoint of, oh, I don't know if he's going to give it to No, but from a standpoint of, he's our loving father, and I know that this that I did hurts his heart. 
God, I'm sorry. Forgive me for that. Not because I think you're going to throw me into hell, but because I love you. And you've been better to me than this behavior would represent. And so I'm asking for that forgiveness. Secondly, we have to find out what he says about these areas. We've got to study God's belief system. I, look here. I'm going to just tell you right now. You cannot do this walk and not read and not study. Show me a doctor that never opened a book, that never studied. And I'll show you a doctor who will never see my name in his appointment <laughs> calendar. Listen, how did you get your degree? Oh, I just kind of, you know, I just feel it. I just kind of, no, I don't want no. I need you to, you need to have studied, taken some tests, took some notes and passed. Thank you, yeah. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. I like this. I like this. This is a familiar verse, but maybe we'll see it a little bit differently. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Let me help, let me help you out because you hear this a lot of times. And, and it's, it's such a, I imagine God is laughing, maybe even almost falling off his throne when he hears us say, I just don't think God would and then enter in whatever you want to say after that. Because in other words, what I'm saying is, is that I'm taking my finite way of reasoning and rationalizing and then saying, well, because I wouldn't do something like that or because I don't think that's right, then I'm projecting that up now to God and saying he wouldn't do that. Hmm. And then some people do it in reverse, too. They also say, well, because God does this and that, I couldn't serve a God. I wouldn't serve a God who would do Fill in the blank after that. <laughs> Think about that, how dangerous that is. And what God tells us in Isaiah is, it says, look, don't get it twisted. My ways are not your ways. And then he flips it again. And your thoughts are not my thoughts. And as far as the heavens are from the earth. So, so don't think that it's just, well, if you study long enough, if you meditate long enough, if you, if you, if you, if you kind of you know, pray long enough, then you can get the... No, he says, and as far as the heavens are from the earth, huh, are my ways to your ways. I, I stress that and point that out just to make this as a point. We cannot live a life that's pleasing to God with our belief system. Because our belief system is as far as the heavens are from the earth. And so we have to get in line with what he says about life and about his belief system. And then thirdly, we have to pray. Bringing in the new, getting out the old. Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, what will it do? Guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. There is something about us spending time in prayer that allows that old to get pushed out, the new to be pressed in upon us, and then this peace from Christ begins to guard our hearts and our minds as we begin to renew or allow ourselves to allow God to renew our hearts. Secondly, secondly, to uh, guard our hearts, we have to practice avoidance. We must be proactive and intentional by avoiding those things, those people, those circumstances, those situations that chip away at where we're weak. This even means, hear me now, this is tough, this is tough. We might have to avoid people. We might have to avoid places. We might have to avoid activities, shows, music, events, etc. that in and of themselves might not be wrong. But because of what God has shown us in our hearts, we need to stay away from them. Oh, I know we don't like that. Charles, I, I, thought, I thought we were free. I, we can do it. If it's not wrong, I, what's wrong with it? Well, 
part of it is, is because we're we trying to ease right up to that line and just kind of, what y'all doing over there? No, no, none from me. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. Look at how serious this matter is to Jesus, Matthew 5, 29 and 30. Jesus says, look, if your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out, throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than your whole body go into hell. A strong language. Now you sitting there thinking, Jesus don't want me to probably pluck my eye out, cut my hand off. No. But what he's telling you is that if you had to put on a scale your eternal soul with your eye, your soul has more value. If you had to put on a scale your right hand and your eternal soul, your soul has more value. Let's bring it into today's language. If you need to put on a scale <clears throat> that party or your eternal soul, your eternal soul has more value. If you need to put on a scale that drink versus your soul, your soul has more value. That function, that event, that organization, whatever it is that causes us. Remember, point, uh, 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 pay attention that he does not say that your, your eye is bad or that your hand is bad. But it's the thing that's causing you to sin. Hmm. Lastly, to guard our hearts, there has to be accountability. James 5 and 16. Therefore... Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. I, I like the King James where it says the, the effective, fervent prayer of the righteous man availeth much. <laughs> I like that, yeah. Hmm. This one is hard for us in general and more specifically in our Western culture because we kind of have this... Um, idealized Lone Ranger mythology. And I call it a mythology because it, it, there's nothing in our history really where anybody's doing anything by themselves. But for some reason, this is the mindset that we have here, right? That I don't really need anybody. I can do it all by myself, on my own terms. I pulled myself up by my own bootstraps, blah, 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 whatever little uh, mantra that you want to tell yourself. Um, can I just say it very plainly? The idea or the notion of being a solitary, lone wolf individual that possesses the capacity, right, to process, to process and to deal with everything that life throws at you is, uh, what's the theological term I'm looking for? Stupid. <laughs> yeah. Stupid. Hmm. Think about this. What sense does it make? To get up and go to the hospital, knowing that you're sick, knowing that you are in pain, knowing that you are hurting, knowing that you are near at the point of death, but never telling anybody. Sitting in there, looking at the magazines, drinking the free coffee, right? Acting like there's nothing wrong with you at all, even though there's nurses and doctors and medicine there, not just there, but expressly for the purpose of helping people who are sick, hurting, in pain, and near the point of death. Hmm. If that doesn't make any sense at all, then why would we come into the house of the Lord, which is just a spiritual hospital, y'all, get ourselves all prettied up, smelling good, stroll in here every Sunday, and want to act like, no, I got it all together. I know the Bible says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, but there is a little asterisk. I didn't. I'm good. I, my sin is all behind me. I'm walking now in the hallelujah, Shekinah glory of the God. No. We're hurting. 
we're sick. Here's the, here's the thing that boggles my mind. And, and even though you're pretending, you're faking and flodging and trying to make everybody think you got it all together, we see you in your gown with your back out. With the IV, you treat it, you, you're dragging the IV behind you. I'm good. I'm just trying to, the mental picture. You know, I thought about this too. Here's the thing too about church. What I like about when you go to certain levels of, of the floor in the hospital, everybody there knows their gown is open. Because they're in the hospital, right? And so there's no shame. I mean, folks are, hey. You know, I, hey. Your, yeah, your gown is open too, so. Right? So, so we come in, and I mean, can you imagine trying to be at the hospital in the ICU and trying to act like you're not sick? They see the doctors going in and out of your room, right? We, we all sick. And part of the not having accountability is because I don't want you to know. I don't want you to know that I'm sick. Now, if you're sick, tell me all about it because I want to be there for you, brother. But I can't, I'm not going to let you in because I got to have it all together. And what the scripture tells us <laughs> is that we need to be exhorting one another. We need to be confessing our sins to one another. There needs to be that accountability, not so that we can put it in the bulletin on next Sunday, but so that there can be some encouragement, there can be some prayer, there can also be some watching out. You weak in that area, brother? I got you. I'm going to watch for you. I'm going to make sure. That you aren't led away by an unbelieving heart. Confessing our sins doesn't mean that we come up and just blab it to everybody. Right? But you're finding, you're confiding in some spiritual brothers and sisters who you know can pour into you. You can pour into them and you can say, I'm weak here. Cover me, brothers. I'm weak here. Lift me up, sisters. In conclusion, (laughs) the process of guarding our hearts is... Not a one-time activity. If you did the homework last week, good for you. I'm proud of you. If I had stickers, I'd st- you walk up here, I'd put a sticker on your shirt. You could go home and be proud of your sticker. But you're not done. And if you didn't do the homework last week, don't worry. Because guess what? It's a new day. Verse 13 says, as long as it is today. Right? forgetting what's behind today. This is an everyday battle. As long as you and I are breathing, we've got to guard our hearts. I don't care how long you've been saved, Pete. I don't care how much scripture you know, Elder Martin. I don't care how many verses are memorized. I don't care uh, how long you've been in the land of the living. I don't care uh, how long your family has been at that church. I don't care how long you, how much you're serving, how many solos you've sung, how many different translations about how many languages you can speak, how many degrees you have. It does not matter. You need to guard your heart. Every day we're asking God to show us our hearts. Every day we're becoming aware of what's in our hearts. Every day we're avoiding those people, places, and things that would cause us to stumble. Every day we're being held accountable by a dear brother or sister in Christ to walk in a way that's pleasing to God. And guess what? That can get frustrating. It can get discouraging, which is why we need the encouragement of the body. This is why the community of believers is so very important. So, solid word. You did your homework last week? Continue to do it. The Lord showed you some things? Continue to guard your heart against those things. You're looking for some accountability? Ask the Lord to show you 
Lord, who, not just who can I be accountable to, but who can I be uh, the accountability partner for as well, right? And then together, when we come here every Sunday, together, we begin to comfort and to encourage and exhort one another, not because, ooh, I know what you did and I know what your problem is, but because we're all walking the halls with our gowns open. Amen? Amen. Amen. Amen.